Available at farmnewsnow.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Agriculture through a modern lens. This is the AgriPod with Alice McFarland. On this episode, everyone knows the importance of doing things in a safe manner on the farm. But sometimes it's hard to get started creating a strategy. Dean Anderson is the Strategic Advisor for Agriculture with Workplace Safety and Prevention Services. He will talk about some of the greatest risk factors on the farm and how to avoid injury. The Saskatchewan Wheat Development Commission and Saskatchewan Winter Cereals Development Commissions are considering amalgamating. Resolutions were passed last January for the two organizations to explore options for joining forces. An initial online survey found producers were overwhelmingly in favor of exploring their options. Carol Ann Patterson with Winter Cereals will talk about the process and why it's important for farmers to participate. After the break, Dean Anderson. Digging into the topics that matter to you. The AgriPod with Alice McFarland. Dean Anderson is the Strategic Advisor, Agriculture and Workplace Safety and Prevention Services. And we're going to be talking about some of the risk factors and how to avoid injury when we're thinking about farm safety. So first of all, Dean, maybe tell us a little bit about uh, the organization that you work for. Uh, Workplace Safety Prevention Services is an Ontario uh, organization. We're a not-for-profit. We're responsible, actually, for occupational health and safety awareness in agriculture, manufacturing, and service industries in the province. And as part of agriculture, we include family farm because you can't impact the sector without impacting all the workplaces, which include a lot of family farming. So what specific sectors tend to be at the greatest risk? The sectors that are the biggest risk tend to be the ones that have got either the largest equipment and and an unorganized uh, workplace, so not a Ford plant, but a smaller operation which has got the big equipment but doesn't have a big health and safety program. So in, in reality, that's why agriculture tends to fall into one of those industries. We have a lot of family farms and we have a lot of large equipment. And we also have at least two seasons where we get very rushed, seeding and harvest. This might seem like an obvious question, but who needs to take the lead when it comes to creating this uh, safe environment on the farm? Well, there's two ways to answer that. And the first one is that the owner has to. It's whether he's working for himself or he's got a bunch of workers working for him. The legislation will fall to the owner of the operation. Who needs to be worried about it? is everybody. Workplace safety is a joint operation by everybody in the system so that a newer employee gets mentored by a worker who's been working there for several years. Supervisors need to know that uh, a new worker can come to them if they see a problem or they don't understand how to do the job right. So you can see how it's the owner, the big legal responsibility. Supervisors and workers then have responsibilities. The big thing is everybody wants to go home the same way they came to work. So maybe outline for us what the greatest risk factors are in the industry. Uh, in, in agriculture as a whole, 50% of our fatalities are tractor-related, rollovers and runovers, and then entanglements within the equipment we've got. 
Um, when it comes to injuries, it tends to be injuries that involve working around animals and entanglements. The other one is, is that we have an awful lot of dangerous at hazardous atmospheres, so such things as uh, hydrogen sulfide gas, uh, methane gas, carbon monoxide tends to be a big one in swine operations, uh, and then dusts is another big one, and noise would probably be the biggest one of them all. Everybody, once you get noise, hearing loss, it's permanent, so you need to make sure you protect yourself all the time from hearing loss. And then there's muscle skeletal, those injuries that everyone knows, for example, in agriculture, every farmer who's 60 years old will complain about his knees. <laughs> it's long time, over overexertion, and too much repetitive motion. Joints give out. <laughs> so what strategies uh, can be implemented to help uh, reduce those uh, injuries in the workplace? I think the biggest one is to plan. Um, so... To identify and do, do a little bit of a risk assessment of your operation, where do you think the biggest problems are in your operation, and highlight those for things that you need to correct things. Maybe it's the next time you buy a new piece of equipment, you actually buy it so it eliminates that hazard. If you're working with it every day, is there ways that you can either spread the work out so it doesn't build up on you, or that you can spread it between other workers? Um, or, ultimately, the last protection is PPE. Can you protect yourself? Can you put hearing protection on? And so you can't remove the hearing from the workplace. Remove yourself from the hearing by putting on hearing protection. And that's PPE. That's personal protective equipment. So what are the benefits of promoting uh, a culture of safety in the workplace? And I guess, uh, what are some of the things that can happen if uh, we don't follow through on that? Uh, the consequence, I'd rather say of, say of doing it, is A, it should impact and improve your productivity, whether it's quality of product, amount of product, the speed that you can put product out, which ultimately shows up at the bottom line, which is cost. Either you're controlling costs or you're making more income. Both ways, that's the benefit to the operation. And that's not just a farming thing. That's anywhere. Um, so that by doing those types of things, it's, it's, it's having a plan, putting a plan in place, following the plan and making sure everybody in the workplace believes it and does it. And, and that includes that if you have a near miss, don't feel ashamed, don't feel embarrassed. Tell your other workers, tell your boss that this happened, maybe we could do it differently. And that makes the workplace better. The thing that impacts it worse is if you have an incident, equipment could get damaged, you could lose productivity, you could go out of, you know, the Ministry of Labor puts a stop work till, till they say it's safe to start the piece of equipment again. Um, you get turnover of workers, they don't enjoy their job. Um, we have a big issue of just labor period in agriculture. So if you have workers that don't want to work at your workplace because they don't feel safe and they don't feel like they're part of the decision and they don't feel like they're part of the business, you have a problem getting other workers. And that's not good for your business. Um, so it's, occupational health and safety is part of your business decision making. How can we get more information um, about uh, agricultural safety and from your organization? The internet has become an amazing place, but I would tell you to go to places that you actually trust. So there's an organization called the Canadian Agriculture Safety Association. If you go to their website, they have links to a lot of other locations. Um, my company is an occupational health and safety organization in the province of Ontario. We have uh, many free 
resources on our website you can download, use for free, and don't be afraid to check other locations. There are some very good locations at universities in the United States that specialize in very distinct components, tractor rollovers, swine health, um, cattle production, grain, grain harvesting, that type of thing. But don't just believe in the Internet. The Internet of Google is good, but it's not always right. <laughs> Obviously, now is a good time to start, and uh, and it, like anything, um, if you've been doing things a certain way, Sometimes it takes some time to uh, change. So if you've been doing something the way your dad always did it, you don't need to just throw it out. Why don't you think about how you can change it and how you can make it better? Because in reality, that's what we want. We want people to actually do the job in a safer manner. We don't want people to come in. I hate to actually tell people, no, don't do it that way. I go, think of how you could do it. And that's a much better way for the workplace to deal with it because it's now part of what they're doing as opposed to someone saying, do it. And if you don't explain why you do it that way, people will try and find shortcuts. People will try and do things. And they'll also try and do it faster and things like that that aren't necessarily safety-oriented. And as I said, they have an incident, you lose productivity, you lose part of your return on your investment. So it's not good for the business. Dean Anderson is the Strategic Advisor, Agriculture with Workplace Safety and Prevention Services. After the break, Carol Ann Patterson is going to be with us to talk about the proposed amalgamation between two crop commissions in Saskatchewan. Digging into the topics that matter to you. The AgriPod with Alice McFarland. Saskatchewan Wheat Development Commission and Saskatchewan Winter Cereals Development Commission are looking for feedback from registered producers on the potential amalgamation of the two organizations. With me is Carol Ann Patterson, the Executive Director of the Saskatchewan Winter Cereals Commission. Carol Ann, certainly this is a process that uh, takes some time. And maybe just uh, explain to us how long these discussions have been going on? These discussions, I think, started about um, a year and a half to two years ago. And basically what we're finding is that um, Winter Cereals uh, doesn't have a, um, a strong enough voice in the, in the field of agriculture as it possibly could. And Winter Cereals themselves offer, a, I would think, a very good opportunity for producers to diversify. So the discussion started about a year and a half ago. And we approached uh, Sask Wheat to see if they would be interested in joining forces. And uh, at that time, it was, uh, now let's, let's discuss it. Let's uh, open the discussion up to producers to find out if they would be willing to explore uh, options for amalgamation uh, between the two organizations. So at the um, AGMs of our respective organizations last January, um, so this, I guess, January of 2022, uh, we did have resolutions of both organizations and there was, uh, you know, to explore and it, the resolutions were passed and then we did a producer survey in the spring of this year and out of that um, particular survey, it was uh, positive to for the two organizations to explore. So there's a lot of reasons behind all this. One is, you know, winter cereals acreages are decreasing, and so consequently levees are decreasing, 
And there's so many opportunities for research in winter sterols, there just isn't the funding behind it to really explore the opportunities in that. And so we're looking at joining forces. Plus it follows almost what um, Alberta has done with winter sterols and with what Manitoba has done with winter sterols in amalgamating with other organizations. And it's a slightly different situation as winter cereals deals with three different crops? There's winter wheat, uh, fall rye, and winter triticale. Uh, those are mandated as the three winter cereals under the commission's uh, regulations that fall under the Agri-Food Council. So both commissions still want to hear from their growers before any decisions are made? Most definitely. Uh, the consultation document was uh, published this morning on our respective websites. So we encourage all producers to go either to the Sasquatch or the Winter Cereals website and, and you know click on the appropriate links to look at the consultation document, uh, look at the survey results from the pro- first consultation in the spring, and then, of course, go to the Survey Monkey and, uh, you know, just answer three questions and provide comments uh, for that. And the final decision on amalgamation, so that will likely be made uh, January of 2023? Depending on the results of the producer consultation, which opened today and ends on December the 11th of this year, the two organizations will um, look at the results and uh, provide those results to producers. And if those results are positive, we'll continue discussions with the Agri-Food Council. And then, then we will both present uh, resolutions at the AGMs, which are being held on Monday, January 9th. Yeah, I should indicate that um, you know the boards of both organizations have been actively involved in drafting the consultation document, of course, with staff. So the directors on, on, on both Sasquatch and Winter Cereals, you know, they're in favor um, and then have drafted uh, the consultation document based on, you know, the concerns and issues that were raised in the first consultation. And I guess it's also important to note that it's only levy-paying producers from both commissions that can participate in the survey. That's correct. It is for those registered producers uh, for wheat and, of course, for winter cereals. So that and we'll be, you know, keeping track of that, of course, as we usually do at our AGMs. Carol Ann, any final thoughts? Just uh, encourage all producers again to look at the consultation document and we would really appreciate everyone's input into it. it. You know, it is it's a serious endeavor and we want to make sure that, you know, the results that come through do represent the interests of all producers. Carol Ann Patterson is the Executive Director of the Saskatchewan Winter Cereals Development Commission. Here are some of the top agriculture stories for the week of November 14, 2022. The House of Commons Standing Committee on Agriculture and Agri-Food approved Bill C-234, a private member's bill that would exempt natural gas and propane used on farms for drying grain and heating barns from the federal carbon tax. The bill still needs to be formally referred back to the House of Commons for third reading, which is the final stage in the lawmaking process. Conservative Shadow Minister for Agriculture and Committee Vice Chair John Barlow said one compromise was to revisit the bill in eight years' time. Commercial grain dryers aren't covered by the exemption. A wartime agreement between Russia and Ukraine will continue, allowing grain shipments from Ukraine to resume. 
The United Nations said the deal will be extended by 120 days. The initiative established a safe shipping corridor in the Black Sea. It also includes inspection procedures to address Russian and Ukrainian concerns that cargo vessels traveling off Ukraine's southern coast might carry weapons or launch attacks. Statistics Canada reported Saskatchewan farmers spent over $11.5 billion on expenses for grain and livestock production last year. That was 11% higher than 2020 and the largest year-over-year increase since 2012. The Agricultural Producers Association of Saskatchewan did some number crunching and called it the most expensive year ever for farmers. The number one farming operational expense prior to depreciation was $2.67 billion for fertilizer, and that was prior to the war between Russia and Ukraine. APAS also noted since 2019, glyphosate increased 62%, fuel was up 52%, and the price of anhydrous ammonia up 113%. Machinery dealers were asking for farm equipment to be exempt from proposed right-to-repair laws. A private member's bill would amend the Copyright Act to allow Canadians to circumvent computer software to diagnose, maintain or repair a product, whether it's a phone, a household appliance, a car or a tractor. John Schmeiser, the president of the Canadian branch of the North American Equipment Dealers Association, said in its current form, it doesn't take into consideration the industry commitment to support consumer repair and also unintended safety, environmental and cybersecurity consequences for the Canadian agricultural industry. The group that represents over 850 farm equipment dealers across Canada said the legislation shouldn't apply to equipment used in the agriculture and construction industries. Groups can now apply for funding from Ottawa's $23 million program to prepare for an outbreak of African swine fever. Funding is designed to support projects like biosecurity assessments and improvements, wild pig management, improving existing abattoirs and swine fever research projects. Applications from academic institutions, associations, businesses, indigenous groups, provincial and municipal governments will be accepted until the end of November 2023. The federal government will pay approximately $1.7 billion to Canada's supply-managed dairy, poultry and egg producers and processors to compensate for market access concessions made in the Canada-United States-Mexico agreement. Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Bebo says the money is to help dairy, poultry and egg producers and processors make key investments and improve their operations. And the Saskatchewan Canola Development Commission has now filled its four producer-directed positions, but there were some challenges. Two seats at the Sask Canola board table were determined by the usual process of producer nominations. Executive Director Tracy Broughton says regulations required the board to appoint individuals to fill the other two vacant seats. The priority was geographic distribution throughout the province, as well as diversity. Protein Industries Canada announced a multi-million dollar project to turn prairie crops into seafood alternatives. PIC Chief Technical Officer Megan Gervais said three BC-based food companies are involved in the research and the development of using peas and canola protein as a substitute for traditional seafood. 
Pick is providing $5.5 million for the $15 million project. More than 20 plant-based seafood alternatives will soon be in Canadian grocery store freezer aisles. If you like what you've heard, you can rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. And make sure to subscribe to AgriPod with Alice McFarlane for more weekly episodes. The AgriPod is produced by Colby Heiss with host and CJVR Agriculture Director Alice McFarlane and is a division of the Jim Pattison Broadcast Group. Available wherever you find your favorite podcast and at farmnewsnow.com.